to the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes, good. Pick up 200 shares, I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they gonna say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're gonna make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive, learn how to push. Show them a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know this. That's it. I'm done. Hello, Big Stacks and Jacks. I'm coming out. Matt Byrne on the board. SB Futures down 12. Uh, NASDAQ Futures down 35. And for the big turnaround in the market yesterday, we were up... Uh, that's sick. I think we were up a hundred and something in the uh, Nasdaq. We finished down two something. It was a huge turnaround yesterday after uh, our Fed spoke again. I uh, got him so I'm so aggravated about the way the Fed acts these days. They send people out and make the the alleged uh, dovish turn the day before the market runs up, and then the other guy comes out and says, "No, nope, half a point's on the table." We go back down. I think. Can't we just raise the half a point like today and shut the bleep up? I'm sorry, Kevin. How are you? Hey, I'm doing okay. It does sound like the market's a, uh, a bit of, uh, it's, it's a lot like a cockroach. Everything's kind of ugly, but it's hard to kill it. I, I, I don't know, I don't know where this behavior came from this Fed. I don't, I don't unless they're absolutely just <laughs> doing even more, even worse than I think they're doing and just telling people what their speeches are every day so people can make money trading against it. I, I mean, have you ever seen anything this long? If, if we ever went to play softball, it had it had fifty uh, news people on each side, and everybody started interviewing everybody what they thought was going to happen in the game and what we were going to do. It'd be four weeks before we'd say play ball. Just saying. Well, they just look at it like this: the, look, the, the Fed has commitment problems, commitment issues. Oh God! Isn't that, isn't that what your, your girlfriend used to tell you when she wanted to get married? You have commitment issues. It wasn't like you know. <laughs> It's you, you have commitment I think, issues. I, I think I've had a string of girlfriends tell me that. Yeah, you, you have commitment issues. But but but, but it, it really wasn't an issue. I, there was no way I was going to be committed. Yeah, it's, but it, it's... It's no issue. It's, it's not their issue that they want a commitment. It's your issue that you don't want to give one. But that's the way it yeah. always works. That's the way it works. You know, what can I, what can no, I say? No problem. No no issue here. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, um, did, did you see the uh, the president's comment yesterday that seventy percent of inflation was all Putin? Um, the man has not understood inflation, and he was around when it happened. How does he not have some sort of an understanding from being here? Just goes to show you, Kevin, how much different your experience was with inflation sitting in the House or the Senate than me working at Pullman, actually going through the inflation numbers and adjusting contracts and things, and seeing people. Well, it's it, it, it's you and it's you in that role, and it's the average person going to the grocery store. Yeah. So it's it's all of the above that uh, a career politician's not going to get. But that seventy percent thing is just a lie, and he knows it. I mean that that is you know there there is nobody in the world who really believes that. Well, he could have said seventy percent supply chain, and nobody believed that either. Um, that's true, and and you know what and. We've tried that, haven't we? Been through uh, transitory and supply chains, and um, and uh, and then Putin, and you know, it's just 
this it, it reminds me of John Belushi in uh, um, the Blues Brothers when Terry Fisher finally catches up to him. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, and, and and he just starts rattling off every conceivable lame excuse uh, in a row. You should you should get Matt to pull that up for a bumper music uh, one of the, uh, today. Oh, I know. Um, the the, uh, the talking point last week, and and you know you know it's a talking point when multiple people on multiple networks start saying it, but they've all been issued the marching orders, was that, well, none of this inflation and most of this out these other problems are not in the president's control. Well, so, any, so that's the new one. It, it's just, it wasn't my fault. <laughs> it's the end of John Belushi's rant. It wasn't my fault. <laughs> well, anybody who's ever been, and believe me, I, I'm not going down this road uh I was uh, for six years, long time ago. I was on one board, not even a big board. I can't imagine being anybody in any political situation, no matter who you are, Kevin. And I went back to uh, one of the most interesting interviews I ever heard, way, way, way back. Was one of the Federal Reserve guys who was on the Federal Reserve back in the '60s, '70s when that inflation all started, and uh, the, he was being interviewed, and he said, "You know, we." We uh, had, had this guy, Milton Friedman, run around saying it was our fault, but we didn't. We thought it was the Arabs, we thought it was this, and we thought it was every other thing, and then we pulled energy out because we thought it was the Arabs, and then we pulled the energy and food out, and finally one day we had a look at each other and go, we got inflation, and you know what, damn it, we caused it. <laughs> he goes, it was a, it was a, was it a, I, I can't imagine this group, Trump's group, Obama's group, even going all the way back to Bush, where he put the, you know, the the, uh, the war on a, on a credit card, which really started started the whole mess. Um, you could really could, you could go back to there and say we borrowed the money or we, did, we we started printing the money instead of taxing people because Bush's neocons had had two things: we were going to we were going to fight this war, and oh by the way, we weren't going to raise taxes. And Bush basically kowtowed to the line. Well, when you start putting a war on a credit card, you got a problem. So this thing, I'm not saying he caused all of this. I'm not. I'm saying he, he sort of started it, and everybody just kept rolling with it. But it's, I can't imagine well, any you, you remember at the beginning, too, that the war was, it was popular, and, uh, and, and people felt, you know, like we need, a, and, and it started with Afghanistan, of course, but, you know, all of it was very, fairly popular until it wasn't. I wonder how popular it would have been if he had said, oh, by the way, we're going to tack 5% onto everybody's taxes to pay for it. I think it would not have been so popular. But he knew that. And, I, you know, and, that, and that, that essentially is the rub. If he would have said, we're going in tomorrow like everybody wants to do, including me, uh, by the way, you have a 10% uh, surcharge on your tax this year, I think that would have been the proverbial fart in church, Kevin. I honestly do. Yeah, and, and, you know, maybe that's what we need to do to keep us from going, you know, uh, conducting stupid wars. It, it, I mean, certainly it should accompany a declaration of war, but, you know, we don't do declarations anymore, so even if there's a uh, congressional resolution, the resolution should also have in it the uh, uh, the proviso that uh, there, there will be taxes to pay for it. Well, we have a we have a political system, really, at every level, and I don't, I don't know if it has to do with, well, for, put it this way. I wouldn't want to go at a monarchy where somebody lasts, like, forever. Uh, that would not be my choice. But there's something inherently flawed in a system where the trick is to just make a mess for the next guy. And as long as everything is okay and you're, and you're now, now, now Pritzker, 
if he ever runs for anything, I think he pr- might have presidential, uh, but I think he probably does. Good Lord. But, but he, he, one of his things is going to be, I balance the budget in Illinois. And, and, and this year or the next year, if he gets his fanny out of there or loses, he's going to, on his, on his thing now, he got all this money from the federal government and he's going to say, I balance the budget in Illinois. That, that's going to be his, and, and just like daily, I sold, I sold the parking meters, I sold Millennium Park, I balanced the budget. What's the problem? <laughs> I mean, they, they, there, there needs to be some sort of a, I don't know, tack it onto the Constitution or tack it on somebody's forehead or something, or everybody's forehead. If you're going to spend something, clean up your own mess. Don't leave it for the next guy. And, uh, well, and, and, and that is the problem with cash accounting that the, uh, that the government likes to use, too. Oh, yeah. Is you, you can accelerate all kinds of stuff into your administration by uh, by selling it off. So you know, was selling the parking meters the wrong thing to do? The right thing to do? Who knows? I mean, you could probably make a case either way. But is is accounting for it in one fiscal year uh, the right thing to do? Absolutely not. Well, I mean, you see people in in all walks of life in in, in private areas. You know, I'll look at uh, um, you know, I don't, I'm not a big contributor to colleges. But if one of these days, you know, the, the, you know, the, the Lord looked down on me, and every time, uh, every time I bought something, it went my way, and all of a sudden I got ninety bazillion dollars. If I was going to give Notre Dame or anywhere in Chicago or God knows where, uh, Purdue, whatever, a uh, a chunk of money, it would be on God's. You know, God would strike me dead if I just gave those bleeps a bunch of dough to use on whatever, however they damn well felt. I would, I would, I would endow a professorship or something. That money would go into a, a, a trust just to pay for that guy. When when we sold Millennium Park, we the city, that money when you sell off assets that everybody owns, that money should go into a special spot, and you get to use the interest of it, just like every other mayor going forward does. You don't get to take it as, as income, and that's what Daly right, did. Endowed money, yeah, that but makes you, sense. But you know, none of this stuff. I mean, we, we don't seem to want to do any making sense stuff, and I. Uh, Speaking of which, I, I know everybody yesterday was talking about the Disney situation, and it's, and it's, uh, I don't know who sent me, it was you or Lou sent me the, the, whatever, uh, I'm gonna say ridiculous article by this guy, Jack Marshall. I say ridiculous, not because it isn't, I'd learned from it, I did. Uh, basically, uh, what we're talking about here is, I mean, everybody's getting bits and pieces of this Florida fight between Disney and the governor. And the bottom line is, uh, and Kevin or, or, or Lou sent me something here, which is the whole history of it, which I didn't know. So I'm very appreciative of that. Yeah, uh, Lou, Lou sent that one. Basically, <laughs> says that in uh, in 1967, uh, the the people f- from Disney that had Disneyland, that they were essentially uh, ground encumbered. I mean, they they built it a, this big amusement park kind of place, and all of a sudden it became popular, and people essentially built. McDonald's and uh, and um, hotels across the street, and they couldn't they couldn't control you from morning to night, right? And Walt well, did, and, and and other other events this isn't like a Sea World or something like that down there. I mean, there's a bunch of other other parks down there now too. But yeah, when they, when when Disney went and got in in the first place, uh, Central Florida was just a swamp. There was not you know there was nothing there. Orlando was you know kind of an afterthought city. Um, and, uh, you know, all, all of that, you know, was just wasteland. So it's been a gigantic boon for, um, 
Newport, Florida, because it it made it made a, a, a you know basically a, a, a large swamp into a tourist destination. Okay, and I'm not I'm not going to deny that. I said, but but here but here we go. Right. Here, here. No, but that's that's just filling in the blanks on that what it was. But but here but then whoever wrote this article starts wandering off into this implied deal between Disney and the government and the government had never messed with them and they'd never mess with the government. That's BS. I mean, what, an implied deal for 50 years and both guys are dead? How does, how does that mean what the deal is? It's like, what's his name? Well, yeah, and, and, and not really not really the point. Not not a point I would make. So uh, the, the point I would make on it is, um, it, it, first of all, I, I'll, I'll come back to it, I, you know, how, how Disney got involved in this in the first place. But the the point I would make is that if Disney is going to take a, uh, uh, a political stand against the governor, don't be surprised if, if the governor and the legislature, uh, because his party controls the legislature, hits them back. Well, I, don't, um, I agree with you so, there. You know, that, that, that kind of falls under the category of duh, if, you know, and, and so, you know, it, it shouldn't be a surprise to them. And I think that's where Lou was going yesterday, is saying this guy, you know, this CEO is not acting in the best interest of his shareholders and he should have known better than to wade into these waters i i would just as a as a an aside i i do not have i know that a lot of the people that i i talk to and hang with um with the covid situation and i'm not talking left or right i'm talking about just regular old people i don't even know i don't ask them whether they're left or right uh were fairly appalled at what their kids were learning when they actually were forced to stay at home and, and learn with them all day long and I think it. Oh yeah, it ran. Absolutely. But it was. It wasn't just uh, the the whatever the woke movement or else you want to put in there. It had to do with I can't believe they're learning this math. <laughs> it was there, there is no history. There, there was a huge list, laundry list of criticisms of what the the, the curriculum has become, and it, it really came from the right and the left. I mean. No wonder the kids can't add. <laughs> I mean, no wonder they don't have any history. They don't teach any. Where's the civics? There isn't any. I mean, it was. I mean, it was, I'd say the criticism was from top to bottom on just about everything, Kevin. In, in addition to, I mean, I, I mean, I, this was just one of the subjects. Is the uh, yeah? But the big sore point was politicizing math class. Polit- I mean, yeah. it, it, you may not want uh, social studies to be politicized, but you could see how it would be. You don't, you know, math is math. Math is not a a culture exercise, uh, right. and uh, you know, it's this is this is the problem that has become such a big deal, um, and certainly uh, the the Florida law, which you know, it's it's like four pages long. So anybody who really wants to know what it says, all they have to do is read it. It's not a hard one to read, um, and and it essentially says you you can't make sexual content part of the lessons in uh, 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 before third grade, you know, or up to third grade. You you just, you know, especially when you're talking about, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, gender changes and, and, you know, all of those kinds of things. Those are the things that are best left to parents if they're dealt with at all at that age. Um, And certainly, you you know, it, it would not seem appropriate for kindergarten or first grade, would it? Uh, no, no. So, so it, it it seems to me it's a reasonable law. What happened with Disney is Disney wasn't going to get involved. They were they were silent on this for a long time uh, as a company, and then 
they had a very vocal group of employees who, uh, you know, not only uh, um, raised a lot of hell, but ultimately staged a walkout with, you know, an invited media to attend it and, and started making a show of it. And that was when the CEO caved and said, okay, we're going to take a stand against this, uh, against this thing. Again, it's, you know, you either are or you're not, and they were perfectly willing to be not part of the, uh, not, not wading into the political waters, and a, uh, a really vocal minority of their employees, um, made a big deal and he caved into it, which is kind of lame, if you ask me. Well, I, I think that, uh, I mean, two things. One is, I didn't realize how pervasive a lot of this has become. And here I am driving in this morning, minding my own business as usual, and they come out with some uh, some uh, reading, evidently some big study, study big, small, I don't know, they claim some big study, on air quality in all the cities in, in the country. And of course they launch into this thing about how it comes down hardest on people of color. And I'm like, don't I get to breathe in Chicago? It doesn't bother me. It only bothers somebody who's black. I mean, since when has the air become a racial issue? Well, I'm, I'm sure the logic of it is that you have uh, you you have healthcare treatment more available to you than the average well, uh, average minority, and and that may or may not be true. Given you know, and it may not even be an appropriate thought process for it. But that's where they go. The problem is that. You know, we constantly try to single out um, people for help. Whereas, if we if we got a problem with air quality, you're spot on. You just click, you you deal with the air quality, and everybody benefits. If you're if you're disproportionately affecting minority populations, you will also by cleaning it up for everybody disproportionately benefit minority well, this, populations. This all, this all comes but from benefit everybody. This all comes from uh, well, in this area. This all comes from the, the the original huge coal plant was in Pilsen. And it, they shut it off five, six years ago and finally are taking it down. And it was it was an incredible it was an industrial marvel at the time. In fact, uh the the flywheel that was that turned the uh um, the, the magnets and all that stuff, the turbines, the flywheel um, was so big that uh, people from Commonwealth Edison I told GE that if it didn't work, they'll pay for it. Um, because the thing was so big, Kevin, that the outer rings of the flywheel uh, were, were at times would go faster than the speed of sound. And they wondered if, <laughs> if essentially it was going to break the sound barrier and break the thing in half. Which it turned out it was. Sonic worked. booms? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically sonic. Well, anyway, this coal plant, and they built another one out of Pulaski, and there was another one over by the border that wasn't near as much problem. Well, it wasn't much problem because the people over there evidently know the political. Well, over time, Pilsen has become mostly Hispanic. And, to be perfectly blunt, some areas have become gentrified and some areas where they're becoming white again. You know, so, I mean, I never, if this thing, I, I was very into the, how much money it would cost to bring this thing up to current rates. Now, now of course, Commonwealth Edison, the sleazer balls they are, they sold it to somebody else. And then they said, well, they, then they, then they didn't want to use it and said it was okay with them if they tore it down after they sold it to somebody else, right? So, I mean, there was, there was some deal there. But, uh, anyway, the guys in there, uh, it was like $400 million or 300 or some huge number to bring this plant up to, uh, modern standards, whatever. I mean, it would still be a coal plant. It still wouldn't be as, as clean as a gas plant, but it would be 
whatever modern standards are. I mean, I, you know, I don't even know what that even means. So they decide they're not going to do that and they tear it down. But the entire thing of the last couple of years was how this was beaten up on, on Hispanics. Well, it, it's, it's five blocks from my office or eight blocks. I mean, it, it only went one way? I mean, really? I mean, you know, yes, the area was predominantly, had grown as predominantly Hispanic. I don't know that that was ever, I mean, it's not like people didn't drive by there on the Ryan. It was five feet away. I mean, I, you know, it, I, I don't get it, Kevin. I mean, if that's what you have to do to, to make a point, you know, I don't know. I guess that's what we have to do to make a point. But Well, but, no, because what it what it means is, uh, from, it, from the uh, government mind, mindset, is that then we have to have specific programs for Hispanic people. And programs mean... Hiring, hiring administrators, all the people who make money off of these kinds of programs, and you wind up duplicating efforts in a lot of different directions, which means you create bureaucracies for a lot of different things. And that's, you know, that's really where it goes. Is there's there's an end game in mind, and the end game is uh, that there are people who make a hell of a lot of money off of uh, racial differentiations. Well, I don't, to me, it's I don't get it. We either find a way to make this thing clean enough to be in a, in a population area in today's world, or not. I mean, the, f- 10 years from now, the area might, or 20 might be all black, it might be all white. I, I don't see how that even entered the program, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I uh, but anyway, I, this thing with, with, uh, with Disney, this, this is, this is reopened. I mean, everybody knows since I'm, we've been doing the, uh, the show, and this is, this had a lot to do with my, um, two classes I took from uh, George Stigler, who was a behavior, a governmental and behavioral economist, political and, be- and uh, behavioral economist, which is a, a very fascinating, to me, that's my favorite part of economics. It's not trying to predict next month's GDP. Because it was all about the study of people and how they react and how, and economics is really the, the, the science of how do you deal with, with, with scarcity, right, Kevin? I mean, it's what it is. Because if everybody had everything about everything, there w- you wouldn't need prices. You wouldn't need anything. You just go on the enterprise. You just go to the the machine and say scrambled eggs for breakfast, and everybody just have it. You would you wouldn't have to be any price on it, right? There's no there's no way to apportion it, but you wouldn't have to because everybody just had it. But anyway, when you get into this, I, when I started reading this article, uh, I'll tell you who wrote the darn thing. Um, and it, again, it's not horrible, horrible, or anything like that, in my opinion. But uh, Jack Marshall, it just brings up. Everything I've ever talked about in terms of favoritism of a company, a government is governmental company quote deal. It's going to be the good for everybody, and they're big enough and jobs. It, it brings up every every question I've ever had a problem with, Kevin. I mean, here's Walt Disney and this guy. Now, was there a formula up on the wall that if you and I wanted to open up Riverview in uh, in uh, you know in a swamp outside of Fort Myers the next year, we'd get the same deal, or is it, is it just these guys? And, and when his point was the deal was with uh, Disney would stay out of politics. I don't know if that was ever part of the deal, but say it was. Is it politics while the politics while this guy is governor? Politics why Democrats or Republicans, whatever that guy was, are in office? Is it until Walt Disney died? I mean, what what is the deal? <laughs> Whenever you start doing this kind of crap, Kevin, I think you got nothing but problems. That's why I'd like to see it minimized. Just saying. Well, yeah, I, I agree with you, um, and and certainly um, it, Disney has a big ad, uh, advantage over its competitors in the area now because it's the one with the autonomous uh, government and the better tax rates. 
uh, compared to the others. You know, is it reasonable? Was it reasonable for that to, for that kind of a deal to get struck in late in the late 1960s? Yeah, because it was going to prime the pump. Was it reasonable for it to have an expiration date 20 years later? I would think so. Well, what I gather apparently not. Just is a correct me if I'm wrong here, but it, it seems like uh, just for the listener, all oh, for the listeners and anybody, um, I it seems like what happened here is there was a big, I'll use the term, unincorporated area that really was not involved in anybody's county or any, I don't know if they have counties in Florida, I assume they do. I mean, it, it's sort of like, uh, oh, we'll, we'll talk about more of this after the break, it's sort of like, remember, uh, what was the Speedway out in, uh, out by Route 83, Kevin? It was, uh, they, had a, they had a Speedway out there, and it wasn't a, but it was this big track. They used to have, they used to run stock car races and crap. Was that, was that like uh, US, US 30 drag strip? No, no, no. That was Sunday on, at beautiful. No, US 30 might have been on US 30. Duh. No. <laughs> Santa Fe Speedway. Oh, yeah, but 80, <laughs> doesn't 83 cross 30? Yeah, way down by Joliet. This was Santa Fe Speedway, I think. Well, when, when the thing, okay. it, it was essentially nobody owned it. When I say nobody owned it, it wasn't part, it was unincorporated land. So when it, when it went under, uh, it was unincorporated Cook County, I think, which is another something different. So I'll try and go through this. Where's Jan Flanagan when we need him? Um, it was unincorporated Cook County. So when it went under, Burridge and Hinton, was it Burridge and Hinsdale or Burridge and somebody had a massive fight over who, who was going to essentially, uh, annex the property. And it ended up being, I think it ended up being Hinsdale or somebody, but they had this huge fight all the way to the state. They wanted the land so they could tax it. And if their houses went over there, they were their houses and, We'll talk about this more after the break. SP Futures is now only down 7. NASDAQ Futures is only down 5. They were down more than that earlier. Be right back. Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, 
Innovation and Human Resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howell. It's Matt Byrne on the, war, on the board. SP Futures down 9. NASDAQ Futures down 8 and a quarter. So not not any bounce after yesterday's horrendous turn in the market. Uh, uh, we got Dow Futures down 87. Individual stocks in the Dow. Nothing, nothing really major. McDonald's down 70 cents. Uh, we got the American Express down a buck 74. So nothing, nothing crazy. Just a little bit down there. Over in Europe, we've got DAX down 251, 1.7%. These guys were up pretty good yesterday. Like I said, a big turn here. Putsy down 62.8%, Kekaron down 98, 1.5%, so ouch over there. Asia, uh, we got the Nikkei down 447. These guys have been volatile all week. They've been up, now they're not up today. Shanghai, which is down almost 2% yesterday, actually over 2%, is up 7 points, 0.2% today. Hang Seng was down yesterday as well. They're down again today, minus 43 points, 0.2 for that very much. Uh, um, again, there's a lot of central bank and uh, issues going on in central China. I think those guys are having some trouble. Uh, I mean, obviously they've got whole places locked down. They've got ports shut down. They've got they got problems over in Shanghai area. It's their biggest port. And uh, anyway, it's a it's a mess. Uh, yesterday, Dow Jones down three sixty eight. It was one percent. S and P up down sixty five one point four. I think we were doing the show. The S and P was up forty. So we're talking about a hundred and fifteen hundred twenty point turnaround, which is not something you normally get. Uh, NASDAQ down 278. I'm thinking they were up 150, so it's probably almost a 360-point turnaround there. Again, that good. Bonds unchanged at 2.92, but that's high. Uh, the, 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 the yield did hit 3% uh, yesterday after Powell's comments, but we're down to 2.93. Uh, Bun, positive 0.93. Man, how many years were these guys underwater? I can't imagine what the, the bond portfolio of the central bank, when they're buying this stuff negative, looks like now. They must... All those bonds got to be huge losses. Uh, Japan, 0.25, uh, they're they're pretty steady. Oil is uh, down a buck 22, but still 102.57. Brent down 121, 107.12. We got natural gas up nine cents, back over seven dollars, 705. Arbob down three cents, 330. We've got gold, which is absolutely getting clobbered here. 1938, it was it was pushing 2,000 on Monday morning, and uh, it's gone nothing but the other way. Silver down twenty cents, twenty four forty one. Copper down four cents, four sixty six. And we've got Bitcoin 
down 868 at 40,495. A lot of stuff here, man. What do you got for us? Traffic weather sports. Yeah, good morning. Currently 6.36 a.m. on April 22nd, 2022. And sports real quick. Uh, MLB, uh, White Sox lose to Cleveland Guardians 3-6. to Cubs beaten by Pittsburgh Pirates 3-4. to And the Diamondbacks win against Washington Nationals 4-3. to In hockey, Blackhawks lose to L.A. Kings 1-4. to NBA tonight. Bulls play against. Uh, Bulls are here in Chicago, and they're playing against the Milwaukee Bucks at 7:30 Central Time. And the Suns are against the Pelicans at 8:30 Central Time. Now into weather. Uh, currently in Chicago, cloudy, 46 degrees, high of 62, and a low of 46. Well, we've hit our we've hit our, our valley then. Uh, Phoenix, mostly clear skies. There's a wind advisory though. Severe winds up to 45 um, 45 mile per hour gusts. Uh, 7 degrees there, high of 78, and a low of 57. Uh, traffic in Chicago, there's a slowdown eastbound on Eisenhower between 25th and Harlem. Traffic eastbound on Kennedy between Cumberland and Lawrence. Traffic, we- traffic westbound on the Dan Ryan between West Pershing and Taylor Street. And traffic southbound on Lakeshore between Lower Randolph and East Balbo. That's all we got, Chief. Back to you. Um, Kevin, if I can uh, schedule whatever you did, Mac, you just fixed it. Uh, yeah. Um, I'll just use an Illinois example. I don't know when it's too far because uh, this is more of a Jan Flanagan thing. But when you say if something is unincorporated in Illinois, I think this the, every part of the state, if I'm con- if I'm uh, correct here, Kevin, and, and boot me if I'm wrong, every part of the state, everything, wherever you are, you're in some county, correct? So you you always have a county that you're in. And now, if you say you're unincorporated Cook County, it means no city has property considers you part of city, village, whatever you want to call it. You're not part of Evergreen Park. You're not part of Oak Lawn. You're not part of Chicago. Yeah, it's like, it's like where I live. I, I, I'm Edwardsburg mailing address, but I live in the township, which is just part of the county. Um, but in other, in other so, uh, I was talking about Santa Fe Speedway. They were part of Cook County, but they didn't have a city that they were associated with. They were unincorporated Cook County because nobody ever wanted them. They were a speedway. Also, they weren't anymore, and people were going to build homes there. Well, of course... The, the mayors both want the place. It's more, it's more tax revenue. It's more everything. Now, in other in other states, I mean, if you go to Arizona or or even Colorado, a, a significant part of the part of the state is maybe U.S. territory. It's maybe there, there's there's places that don't even have counties. It might be it might be Indian land. It might be uh, just government land. Just there. Uh, it could be in, in in Colorado. I mean, the idea is to get a ranch uh, with you know. 500 acres and and you can rent uh lease government grazing lands for another you know maybe a, two bucks a year or something per acre and have your cattle out there and it's just like it's yours but it's not but so this part of florida i think kevin was just like you say just a big swamp nobody ever wanted it and uh, so i don't even think it was part of a county so they essentially gave uh disneyland permanent on on unincorporated uh, Disney World, any permanent unincorporated status, or for lack of a better term, they essentially gave them their own county, correct? So no, no county government is going to that they have to go to to get permits. No county government was going to have a, a county soda tax for them, and they were not part of any city. They were their own place, which is a, a huge. I, I I don't know that to be true. Um, it, it, uh, do, you, uh, do you? Because uh, the, you know it's Orlando, but I don't know if they're within the uh, um, the city limits of I Orlando. Don't, I don't think they are. It's, 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 well, at least originally, that's they talked about. It. They didn't. They did not have a local authority that they have. If they were going to drain a pond, they drained a pond. They didn't have to. 
they'd have to talk to somebody and get a permit from Cook County. So it, okay. it, it, it appears that that's the way it worked. Now, whether they were nominally under Kevin County, I don't know, but they pretty much had their own, a lack of a term, government authority. They, they were the county, which I think is what, what out of these couple articles you guys sent me. Yeah, they, yes, they have, they have autonomy to run, to, to make their own rules, their own laws. They have, you know... Uh, well, counties don't really make laws. You know, they, they, they just... They, well, they more make uh, don't make. I guess they can make zoning laws and things like that. The county can make. Yeah, but they're not. They're yeah, not they, make, yeah. You know, all, all of those kinds of decisions were, uh, at least as it pertains to the Disney property, were left to Disney. Right. So they, for, even if they didn't, they gave them their own county, basically. And then there was then no city well, or Lando never said, "You guys are mine now." By the way. We got a soda tax in Orlando. I don't think you're going to find an Orlando soda tax at Disney World. You are probably correct. So my issue all along at is least, yeah. at least until today. <laughs> yeah. Well, my issue all along has been when you do something like that, what exactly is the deal? And I'll come closer to home. I mean, I mean, you know, uh, let's put it this way: Ram bent over for the Ricketts. I mean, he gave them everything. They they were condemning stuff for people and. And, you know, there were people that had bought bars for a half a million dollars, you know, uh, whatever, uh, two years before, and all of a sudden they, they, they give Wrigley all this property, pretty much gave them property for their own bars. And then they, then the other guys were doing so bad that they went and bought the, I thought, they essentially, for lack of a better term, they, they, they organized Ricketts getting a neighborhood, or, or damn near most of a neighborhood, right? I mean, it's, they used the, they used the model in, uh, from uh, Boston, where if there's a bar across the street, we want to own the bar across the street. I mean, it's, that's their model, correct? And, uh, and, and, and basically, the, and, and the alderman fought it for a while, and then he said, screw it, I'm, I'll pile in with him. And then, and then all of a sudden, you know, uh, Ricketts, grumpy old man, decides he's supporting Trump and, and he's, he's anti-democratic and blah, blah, blah. All while this is going on. So, so the, the city's saying to Ram, what are you doing? Are you some kind of moron or what? <laughs> and, uh, but then it's, well, what's the deal? What did Ram get out of the deal? Was the deal made just with Ram? Not with the, not with the Democratic Party, not with, I mean, it comes down to who were, as I read this guy's article, Kevin, all I can think of is, where is this deal written? This guy's talking about this implied deal between well, Walt Disney and the, the then governor. Well, where is it? I mean, does this governor feel like he has to abide by it? Does this chairman of Disney feel like he, evidently not, right? Neither one. So I mean, it, well, I, yeah. It, I mean, I, for all I know, Tom, it is in writing, and, uh, and I, I just don't know. I, I couldn't tell you that. I'll guarantee you. To, so well, I'll guarantee you what Ricketts owes or owed Ram and the next mayor and the governor. That's not in writing. Well, let me put it this way: I, I am sure their incorporation documents are, uh, are are in order. If if there was an agreement for Disney to not wade into politics in the state of Florida, I doubt that's in writing. Yeah, well, what the guy you get? What the guy use? The he called it an implied agreement. Well, you won't bother me. I won't bother you. Those only last until they don't. Pretty much. But I'm saying, just in general, uh, Kevin, if you, if I'm the mayor or the governor, whoever it is, you know, we got the thing going on in Wisconsin, your former state. Now the, these guys are going to come in in Kenosha, and they were given everything. I mean, look what we gave the people here in Illinois for uh, was it Caterpillar or something? The, the state income tax that the people 
one of those places, if it's I don't know if it's Caterpillar or the other guys, John Deere, the, the state income taxes go to the company and not the state. I mean, there's some incredible. Well, you know, hold, hold off on hold off on Wisconsin though, because that was all tied to uh, Foxconn completing certain projects, and Foxconn Foxconn didn't get crap out of it until um, Tony Evers got elected governor, and he had been complaining all along that the uh, that it was a bad deal. So he renegotiated the deal, and now Foxconn hasn't delivered on the promises, but now they're getting paid. They're getting paid a lower percentage than they would have had they delivered on the project uh, uh, on their promises. But the, as it stands now, under the original deal, they would be getting nothing, and instead they're getting something for underperforming. Okay, my, whatever. Because it was the br- the brilliant move by t- Governor Evers to uh, renegotiate this. Well, what I'm, I'm trying to start, if I can, I'm trying to start going around the bases from home plate, which is sort of where you're going to start. The, the, the deal from the from the get-go is somebody wants something that virtually nobody else has got. I'll be, I'll be south side here. Somebody doesn't want to pay taxes. Somebody doesn't want to do this. And they say, and I'll stay, and by the way, you get all these jobs. So here's the, quote, deal. Now, of course, there's 8 million other people in the state that go to work and don't have any such deal, but we'll leave that for a second. We'll leave that one in the dugout. But here we are at home play. We're, we're, we're putting the lineup cards in. And we're saying, okay, I want all this stuff to stay because, by the way, some other states offering me X. And I, Texas is going to pick me up at the, you know, at the airport with a hooker. I mean, whatever. Whatever it happens to be. So, okay, we, we get this quote deal together. Now, who's the deal with, Kevin? Is it, is it with me, the current governor? Me personally? So if I become president, they gotta support me there. Is it, it was just all, Republican governors? Is it all Democratic governors? It is with everybody. I assume it had to be. I assume it had to be approved by the legislature, right? But but I'm saying I'm the one who worked it. I'm the one who pushed it. You, they owe me. Okay. I mean, or you, probably you more than they would me. But I'm saying they they owe. There's somebody owed here. Mayor Daly, whatever it happens to be, somebody got something that nobody else has got. I'll be how south side is that? And whenever there's money in the air like that, somebody owes somebody something. Where am I wrong here? Oh, of course. You know, yeah, you're not wrong. So my point is, you're not who, wrong do you, who do you owe? The question is, how how much of it is above board? Well, but then the question is, who do you owe? Do you owe me? Do you owe the state of Illinois? Do you owe the Republican side of the aisle if I'm the Democrat that worked the deal? Uh, or the other way around? I mean, this whole uh, that's what I'm saying. When you start talking about one of these deals 50 years later and what the implied deal is, who the hell knows what the implied... And, and, and who was it with? And, and who gave the, who had the authority to make the implied deal? Is what I'm saying. Okay. In 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 the case of Florida, so what? You know, yeah. so what? I go back to what I what I said right off the bat. If if Florida, if Disney, if the Disney comp, uh, Corporation wants to wade into the political waters, don't be ex, you know then be prepared to play hardball politics. I, I the only thing I was, I was arguing with with Lou yesterday is, and, and you're. And by the way, you guys could be right. You guys have been in my my fights against Kevin and Lou lately. I think I'm I'm probably two and three in my la- in the last five. So it's not like I'm not like I'm winning all these things. I I don't believe Kevin. I you know just from the way these corporate these these really big corporations work. I don't necessarily believe that a group of employees uh, could could possibly, however they got to where they made their decision. And by the way, I'm with you and Lou. I think. <clears throat> It was a pretty lousy decision on their part. Uh, however they got there, I'll bet it was way more thought out <coughs> than you and Lou are giving them credit for. 
in terms of the bottom line because I don't think Disney's ever done anything where they're not going to make a dime. I mean, it or uh, Tom. Tom, how how much have you seen corporations uh, cave to political pressure over the last few years? It, uh, I mean, what happened with Coca Cola in Atlanta? I think what, you know what happened with you know and and the Georgia voting laws and and how many people have thrown money into. Uh, into Black Lives Matter, which is turning out to be a, a total grift at the national level. I, uh, 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 Kevin, I, I, they, they haven't thought it through. They haven't investigated where the money's going. They, they haven't done any of that. I, what I, my, the they, point I'm trying to make do, here do you is... you think anybody looked at articles of incorporation and said, oh, okay, I see how the money's going to be spent? No. They, they aren't doing that. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're basically, they're virtue signaling. I, I, what I'm, what I'm, you know how hard it is to argue with somebody when you agree with them? I was having the same problem with Lou yesterday. I'm with you. I, I think they it's made no, it, It's no fun. It's no fun, Tom. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they made a terrible mistake, but, I, I mean, you know, the same way with the Coca-Cola thing. But I think at the time, Kevin, whenever they did it, they felt that if they didn't do what they did, they would lose more sales than they would gain. It may They may turn out to be yeah, wrong. They may turn out to be wrong. And you know what's interesting? You know what's really interesting is every single time, the ones that cave, people keep coming back at them for more. And the ones that don't cave tend to survive. All right, we, we're, it, it, we're at two different chessboards here. You're, you're talking about the decision being the wrong one, and I happen to agree with you. What I'm saying is, at the time, the, the, the decision was driven by the almighty dollar. And it may look in retrospect like it wasn't. I'm saying at the time, they thought if they didn't pile on to this thing in Atlanta, if they didn't pile on, they must think that this, whatever this movement is, is the future. And when they, and when they decided to do this, they think it's in their benefit, not, not otherwise. I think they're wrong, but don't think for a second that they don't think they're right money-wise. Yeah, they're just stupid. Okay. Hey, speaking of the future, we got to shift gears because i got to be off in five minutes. Right. So, um, Jeff Passan wrote an article yesterday about pitch clock in the minor leagues. Uh, in the minor leagues, they're, they're using a 14-second pitch timer. Uh, if, you're, if there's nobody on base, in 18 seconds if somebody is on base. Um, and, uh, and the average game time has shrunk to two hours and 39 minutes without any, any noticeable change in scoring. Um, and, and a third of those games are less than two and a half hours. Um, you're going to, in the major league level, you're going to totally change the dynamic of the five relief pitchers coming in through 100 miles an hour because they have to rest a minute between pitches to do that. I, I, I suspect you're right, but I, I believe that change is going to come next year. Um, they, uh, uh, it's, if the batter is the cause for the delay by stepping out of the box or whatever, then they call a strike on the batter. If it's the pitcher, they call a ball on the pitcher. You also have limits on the number of pickoff throws or step-offs you can have. Um, so uh, it's, it's a balk on the third one. So so stolen base attempts are up, um, and uh, it, and it's you know it's it's all pretty interesting. But they've uh, um, I'm, I'm looking at the article now. There's uh, been um, in the Arizona Fall League, and um, I'm looking at this. It just says 186 automatic balls, 273 automatic strikes. So that's about your proportion. So I think um, you would actually go to a minor little, league game. A little more than two to one on the pitcher. So is it is it uh, the South Bend Cubs or are they 
Are they doing or is there, are they not that level? Don't know. Don't know. Haven't been out to a game, so i got to go check it out. We should go to a game. If, uh, hey, uh, did you happen to watch any of the disgusting Cub game last night? I did the uh they no. they go and they got this guy on uh Pittsburgh. Looks like a Asian dude, which has nothing to do with anything, but um good ball player evidently. Uh but he's he must be a dead pull hitter and he's a lefty. So they got bags loaded and two two out. And uh they got the third baseman Winston playing ten feet off second base. <laughs> I'm like, really? And uh the guy on third is now running down bothering the hell out of the Cubs rookie pitcher. He's standing halfway between third and home. Because there's no, the, the, the third baseman doesn't even... And even the guy, Jim Deshays, goes, you think we should move Winston over a few steps just to get this guy out of the pitcher's face? <laughs> they, so they... Yeah, because the guy can lead. The guy can lead off at least as far as the third baseman is from the base. Yeah, so he's he's there, and of course, all the guy has to do is lay a bunt down, and he scores two people, right, or at least one. But he but he won't do that. Oh, if if, if he lays a bunt down pretty hard, it's going to roll for a double down the line. Well, he ends up hitting one down the line for a double, <laughs> the, the 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 right field line. So he ends up going away on the pitch anyway because they're pitching they're pitching the guy outside. Well, they put the huge shift on him, and they're pitching him outside. He's a left. I'm like, what are, what are we doing here? Are these guys ever, they obviously have never pitched. If I don't want somebody to go to right field, he's a right-handed batter. I don't pitch him outside. I mean, really? <laughs> I well, here and and here's the thing: the, um, the there's all kinds of discussion about making rules about how many guys have to be on which side of second base and all of that, and that's all fine. But the easiest way to make shifts go away is for people to do just what you saw happen last night, is just beat the shift. If they want to give me a base hit, I'm taking a base hit. And there's a lot of guys that say, well, yeah, but if I put down that bunt, then I can't hit a home run. So what? If you're, the, if you're leading off the inning, well, these guys hit had is ba- a really good thing. These guys had bags loaded and two men out. But I'll say this, Kevin. I, I really wish, if, if, there, if, you, if there is such a thing as reincarnation, I would really like to go back as a left-handed batter. I'd stick with the right-handed throwing, but I'd really like because I mean the shift. If you're a lefty, I would say that bunt's real easy. I'm not so sure the the bunt past the pitcher towards second base is that easy. If you're a right-handed, no. Batter. Otherwise, people do it all the time because uh, it, it's it, it's a, it's actually a good play against the straight defense too. If you can get the ball past the pitcher, but I mean for a lefty, if they shift on you, I mean that, that's an automatic that's an automatic hit. If you if you practice yep. it, I mean you got to practice it, of course. So, what do you think is the upshot of this thing in Florida? I mean, it's still going to be. Uh, well, I, I think it's it passed the uh, it's passed the House and passed the Senate in Florida. I, I, you know, DeSantis is going to sign it. But that doesn't mean that that the the, the adjoin, adjacent county or Orlando tomorrow can annex these guys. I mean, it'd be a huge fight with that. I mean, it's not it's not like there's going to be a soda tax tomorrow. Yeah, well, it's that's. Still a big penalty to uh, 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 to uh, the Disney Corporation. They don't they don't want to be tied up in litigation. Um, yeah, I I mean I wonder at this point who's getting the most out of it. They don't need a government down there at their own government. I mean I'd really love to f- see how it's all played out for fifty years and and whether or not being their own government that is isn't not such a bad deal. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I'm just, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it's going to be interesting to see yeah. exactly who, who makes the first grab. The county, the city, who? You know, I mean, or is Orlando their own county? I don't even know. I mean, I don't know what Florida law is like. But, uh, it, it is, it is certainly interesting. And, and of course, and, and all the stuff going on in the world, Kevin, 
why are we spending as much time on something like this? I mean, uh, uh, because we like to spend time on stupid stuff. But but actually, I do think I, I do think the educational the the issue itself, the original issue, I think that's important. Uh, you know, I think control of curriculum, what's in curriculum, and so on. Those are important things, and that you know that that matters because I do too. you know I mean it, you know we're misrepresenting the bill by saying it's the don't say gay bill, which is not true. But we're also on the other side saying people are grooming our children, and to what to the extent that that is or isn't true, that's an issue too. But you know, but in which on, on that spectrum, you know, we we've, we've got to work this out because how we educate our kids and really what the parents' role. In educating uh, kids is because there's a lot of uh, educators who believe that the parents should just butt the hell out. Well, you, and, you mentioned uh, it, have, and, I, and I don't. So. We, don't have, we don't have much time, Kevin. But my mom would say that in, when she was going to school during basically during the depression, uh, they didn't. I'm sure they didn't know any sex education, but she said when you went to school, they assumed you knew nothing from home, and, and obviously they didn't talk about sex, but. They, they taught you how to cut your toenails. They taught you how to take a bath, what parts of the body you made sure were clean, how to cut your fingernails, those kinds of things. She says they, and they, she said the idea of homework never even crossed their mind because when people right. went home, they... But at the same time, Tom, they, but at the same time, and I, got, and I really do have to right. go because I have to be in a meeting in two minutes, but um, the, the, uh, the idea that you would teach something and tell the students, "Don't tell your parents we discussed this," is that's insane. Is dead wrong. That's absolutely insane. I, I'm with you. Now. Kevin, go go do your meeting. I'll talk about the market here for a couple of minutes, then we'll have our, our friend Mr. Carl Denninger. Uh, I look forward to listening to that segment later. Yeah, how are you going to do that when you're in your meeting? Maybe you should make the the meeting. Uh, you know, listen to it. I, I should, but I'll listen to I'll listen to the uh, broadcast later. It's, 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 the, it's not a bad idea. All right, uh, <laughs> my, this, this group's not Carl Ready. No, no, I don't think so. The <laughs> Man, who is Carl Ready? I don't know. But, uh, I guess we're Carl Ready. We, 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 we're we, definitely Carl Ready. We're definitely Carl Ready. Hey, one minute. We got one minute to Carl. We have uh, SP futures down four seventy five. Nasdaq futures on positive here, up twenty one bucks. I think uh, Matt this week is going to be. People are still kind of reeling from this Netflix oh, definitely. thing because how many other stocks are in that range where one piece of bad news is going to drop them a bunch? Mm. And I, you know, I would never tell anybody to buy or sell anything, but I got Tesla right in that group. I mean, these guys are making so much money from the government. All they have to do is one day and say, we're going to cut this carbon stuff. I could see this thing being half the price. I mean, I hope it doesn't happen because we have people that own Tesla, but I mean, there's a lot of these stocks that are walking on water here that, uh, Let's put it this way: If the ice melts, they're going to they're going to they're going to fall in. But uh, sometimes they, we used to call that there was a name for that on the trading floor. A stock could be like sixty, and all of a sudden it was forty. It was called the trap door. Ah. You, had, you had no no chance, just you know, the trap, no chance to, to get the steps or anything like that. It was just a trap door. SP futures down four fifty. Nasdaq futures up twenty one. We come back. Let us call Denninger. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for 
stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum of trade. Our clients at PTI Pro Direct can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI Pro Direct. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Money! Hello, welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howell. Matt Byrne on the board. SP Futures down 4 and NASDAQ Futures up 20. We we spun that around. They were down when we came in. Do we have Mr. Carl? You most certainly do. All right, buddy. Uh, gee, enough to talk about today all around the world. Uh, um, I, uh, I'm i still kind of, thank God, Only we only had, well, one of the places that I do business with, uh, they had only had 500 shares of uh, Netflix. So, not, thank God, we, there's some stuff we're so heavy in. Uh, from, we are clients that if if it happens other places it's a it's a it's a chunk uh how come that's not even reverberating through the place uh as to what can happen with some of these high price stocks it, nobody's afraid i mean i i can't I, I don't understand why is nobody afraid blue or lou i mean uh, lou carl sometimes you guys remind me of each other that's a bad thing for both of you i suppose but um now why 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 are people that had to take what 400 million dollars of margin out of accounts had to had to create a margin call someplace. I mean, uh, there doesn't seem to be any any fear yet, though, is there? Well, it, it's it, it, you know, a couple weeks ago, I think I told you that uh, my expectations in the next year or two we're going to trade fifteen seventy six again on the spoos. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be. I don't, hope it's not that low, but I don't see how we. Well, okay, so uh, Netflix has lost. Seventy percent of its value in yeah, uh, yeah. four months. People don't think that can happen. Well, why? Why? All you gotta do is well, look at well, history. Guess, guess what? Seven, if you take that same percentage and you apply it to SPX, it, it trades thirteen fifty. Yeah. 
So, you know, people say, oh, no, that's never going to happen. Well, um, so here's here's the problem. And I, I pointed this out when Netflix was brand new. And the issue is present with essentially every woke-based new technology company out there in the marketplace today, which is 90% of them, because what else is left beyond that, uh, you know, this does a firm that makes steel, right? <laughs> well, but it's it's been there's always been a darling industry. I mean, it was railroads, it was TV, what? it was something. There's always something where people are speculating the hell out of. Yeah, but that's a different. But that this is this is a different problem. Okay, the, the basic problem you have out there right now with market values and how valuation is set is that the model today for corporations is to be asset zero firms, right? Well, yeah, and and well, and and here's why: because assets cost money to acquire and maintain, and that's expensive, and it's and not a little expensive either. It's very expensive. So, if you can find a way to come up with a a business model that allows you to run an essentially an asset zero sort of model, and then on top of that, you can find some way to get somebody else to fork up the check. And, and Netflix built their entire company on making other people pay for their transport. Uh, and I've written about this extensively since the firm was young, and I said, this is BS. It is theft. Now, that they're getting away with it is, is not the point. Yes, they were, okay? Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, streaming video service has a completely different set of requirements than anything else that you do on the internet. And it is much more expensive to build a network that can support that on a reliable, consistent basis than to build one that does not. It is insanely more expensive to do so. And as a guy who builds these things for a living and did it for the, you know, my essentially, the whole reason I'm sitting here today is because I did that. Uh, I know what I'm talking about here. And Netflix essentially forced the Comcasts, the Xfinities, and the other and the you know the Cox cables of the world to build networks to support them and not get paid for it. They yeah. stole that. They did it through pressure tactics and in some in some extent when Obama was in office, they did it by getting laws passed that said you can't disadvantage our traffic, even though we're the reason you have to build this extra stuff out. Yeah, was, I remember that. We, we talked about that at the time. That was pretty scary. Yeah, well, this is... But, but Okay, so, here they are. They make themselves a huge amount of money doing this because they don't have to pay for the capital costs that they should have had to pay in order to support what they were doing. And then, thinking that they walk on water and that they're Jesus incarnate, they decide that they're going to stick all sorts of whatever the particular political thing of the day is which appeals to a very small percentage of the population but because that that's who their employee base is and that's who works for them th- this is something that they can cram down everybody's throat and everything's going to be okay it's all going to be fine we're going to make a huge amount of money everything's all right it's all good no problems and and oh by the way this all seems to work because we didn't have to actually pay for and finance all the capital that we otherwise would have had to put together. Now, the other thing they leveraged 
and, and this is specific to them, but it's, it, 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 in this case, they didn't actually screw anybody, okay? The operating system that I have used to run my network-related stuff since I was running MCS is FreeBSD. As the name implies, it is free to use, including for commercial endeavors. There's absolutely nothing wrong with doing it. Netflix would not exist but for FreeBSD because FreeBSD happens to be a much superior platform when it comes to network infrastructure and the ability to deliver bits rapidly and, over time, their ability to handle disk I.O., which, of course, you know, hey, gee, streaming shows are not really huge and have to go on a disk somewhere, right? Of course they are. Uh, that has improved dramatically as well. Now, to be fair, Netflix, although they didn't pay for any of this because it's free to use, including for commercial purposes, they did have their engineers find bugs, contribute them back to the community, and so, in general, that has been a symbiotic relationship. The, the people who use FreeBSD, myself included, have gotten some benefit from the fact that Netflix based their essentially their distribution system on it. Uh, okay, fine. That sort of thing's fine. But the going to the government and saying, you must give us blah, in this case, essentially free transport, and, and let's not care ourselves. There's no such thing as free. We all know that, right? right? Oh, yeah. So what this means is, me, as an individual, I do not have a Netflix subscription because I, I think that the stuff that they have that's on there is not worth any money at all. There's nothing there that's, that, to me, is worth paying for. Okay. But my cable bill is higher for cable Internet than it would otherwise be because I'm paying for the guy across the street who thinks Netflix is the best thing since sliced bread. Oh, absolutely, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. Right, it's, and, and they extracted that money out of people that had no use for their service. So I, you know, I understand this is, but uh, okay, and Musk is worse than them in that the only reason Musk has a stock price in Tesla and the only reason the guy has all that money is that he stole it from the taxpayer. He forced you to give it to him because it is all government subsidy. And and X that, he wouldn't have a company. I don't know, Carl, how did uh, one of the things I was going to ask you today, Southside, um, how, if, if we're going to do carbon credits, and I was reading the history of it yesterday. Somebody sent me, uh, Kevin sent me something, and it had to do with a with a uh, rainforest in Guatemala or something was the first carbon credit where somebody was going to save a rainforest and he got credit for doing something else up here in Canada or someplace. I mean, this idea, I mean, when I was in grad school uh, and everybody's doing this, you know, economic theory crap, uh, which, by the way, isn't all crap, um, the idea that uh, economics, just just like uh, my hero Milton Friedman was so wrong by saying if an area became more more economically free, they would become politically free. He was wrong on that. Okay, he, I, I'm yep. sure he had all he had all the right intentions, and in his mind, one should follow the other, but they just don't because there's some really bad people in the world. And guess what? He wasn't a bad person, so he did, he didn't think like that. Okay, so we, I guess we can we can we can uh, give him a bone for that. We can say that's okay. We'll forgive him. But the this this whole how did this the idea of this, the theory, and kill me here, Carl, from, uh, is that there's going to be, no matter what we do, there's going to be some pollution. All right? No matter what it is, right. so, some of the stuff that you need the most are dirty to make. you got to burn them and you get rid of them. So there's got to be something. 
So one one way of figuring out or de- determining that only the most important stuff is allowed to create pollution, and that you know, not somebody burning their leaves, uh, creating pollution for no reason when you can just you know compost them. Uh, if we just did this in an economic model and had carbon chits of carbon, where in order to have pollution you have to bid for the chits, uh, clearly the people who are willing to bid the most are the people that are making, you know, maybe you needed a smokestack to make some high-end drug or something or whatever. The idea is the, the economy would somehow figure out a way that only the most important stuff actually gets to pollute. Is, is, isn't that the theory? I mean, the theory makes sense in a classroom. I don't know that it makes sense anywhere else, certainly not in the halls of Congress. I mean, well, it's, yeah, that, that is the theory, but there's there's several problems with right. the theory. Okay, the first the first and foremost is that carbon dioxide in the atmosphere is not a pollutant, it's plant food. Right. Okay, so if you wish to support a population of, what is it, 7 or 8 billion people on the planet right now, you need to be able to feed those 7 or 8 billion people. And if you talk to people who actually use greenhouses to grow things, oh, like, oh, I don't know, Illinois now, uh, what, is, what do you guys grow up there that everybody seems to like to smoke? I think that'd be marijuana, well, right? We, they like to eat it, too, now. We just eat it. Well, yeah, I don't, you know, but you still got to grow it first. You got to grow it. All right, so guess what? All those guys are pumping CO2 into their greenhouses on purpose because it makes plants grow faster. Um, you know what? I, and, I, I would love and to you know what? That's a good thing, not a bad thing. But I would right? love I to mean, I, 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 we have we have a completely crocked view of so much when government gets involved in this and and this whole Disney thing that's going on right yeah, now kind of crazy is is even more insane because here's here's the reality of Florida Central Florida in the 1960s um, you could literally go down there with an artillery a, a field piece piece of artillery and go fire it off and you would hit anything that was worth it. I mean, you know, the, the, there were more snakes and alligators than there were humans. <laughs> right? Oh, God, yeah. yeah. And, and that particular piece of land that Walt Disney, the, the history behind this, is that Disney built a park out in California. And shortly after he built it, it started to attract a lot of customers. It got very busy. He wanted to expand it, and he couldn't because all the land that was in the immediate vicinity that was surrounding it was owned by other people, and they didn't want to sell it to him. So he decided that he was going to make sure that that didn't happen to him again. Well, it was more than that, Carl, because uh, well, you know Walt's, Walt's background. You know, he has a certain religion that he's not. I'm not disparaging right. it, but his idea was: there's a McDonald's across the street from me. That guy should be buying his hamburger in my place. Or right. if, if it had more to do with just wanting to expand it for altruistic purposes, is oh uh, no, 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 there was no altruism yeah, there. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, so when he when he made this deal with Florida, with the Florida legislature, there were literally fifty people that lived on the land that he proposed to get that district from. It was part of it was Orange County, part of it was Osceola County. There were literally fifty people, and every one of them was a Disney employee. So guess guess what sort of lobbying? I mean, you got hundred percent buy from everybody who lives there. You just so, an- yeah, we want to be, we want this. <laughs> okay, you, you, you just answered so, the question. Wait, wait, stop for a sec. You just answered a question. Well, hey, we're coming. This article 
that came to me from something I think it was Lou. Uh, they they implied that they essentially there was no county there, and they gave Disney their own county. You're saying that they are in two counties. Oh, it's absolute BS. It was it was part of it was Orange and part of it was Osceola. Oh, so they do have a governing body. This article made well, yeah, but here, but here's the problem. So the the Reedy Creek District, the law that was passed that that made this possible, essentially carved up this piece and made that from a from a governance perspective a county. So they did give them a county. They, they carved up two other people's counties, and gave it to them. They took they took it out of two other people. Okay, now right. at the time. There was nothing there. It was all swampland and pasture. All right, there was zero there within within that boundary. All right. So what happens though is that in Florida, like every other state, when you start talking about business taxation and how the regulatory environment works, every state is different. Florida has a a inventory tax, which does, of course, you know, ordinary people never see that. The, the you know the mantra is Florida is a great state to live in because it has no income tax. Okay, well Tennessee has no income tax either. Both Florida and Tennessee have a a franchise tax, which is essentially an income tax on corporations. All right, and additionally, Florida. It, it, the reason I never set up a company that actually sold anything or kept any inventory around or did anything like that in Florida, all I did was contract consulting work, basically selling my brain as opposed to selling things, and and had no assets. And the reason is Florida taxes all of your inventory. So every one of those nice little those you know, those old mouse dolls that are in a <laughs> in, the, in the in the shop at Disney World, guess what? That's inventory, and it's subject to tax. It has to be inventory and, and tax paid on it every year. And some of that money goes back into the county. In addition, counties also have sales tax overrides, like they do in most everywhere else. You have the base sales tax rate that's charged by the state. Then you have county overrides. You potentially have city overrides that go on top of that. You have excise taxes of various kinds. And you have permitting fees and impact fees. And the big one that Disney avoided through all of this and and probably the biggest screwing that they served up on everybody else, including Universal and all the other businesses that went in in the surrounding area, is that Disney, if, if you were going to put in a, an expansion of the park, because remember, the original plan was we're going to have a Disney World, and then we're, we're going to have a city, and this is what was sold to the people in the state of Florida and to the legislature that they're actually going to have a city there. Well, that city never occurred. What they actually got instead, what's there, that land is now Epcot. Okay, what, what, what about all the, the big-end the big hotels? Does Disney own them or not? Well, it depends. All of the resorts are theirs. They're on their property. They built them. But guess what? They paid no impact fees. They paid... No, all, all of the permitting and everything else is completely under their control. All the inspections, every single elevator in your building has a, you know, has an inspection certificate on. Somebody's got to pay that. There's a, there's a tax and a fee. You know, that that sign that's up on the wall, right in the elevator. Every every piece of business operation is is in some ways supported by a permitting and fee and inspection process. And it's all there, and it's all part of the, the tax structure that goes into running a company. I, you know, I had to deal with this garbage when I was, you know, I was running MCS. And you know what? It, Cook County, it, it is what it is, right? Yeah. I mean, these are the rules. Well, guess what? All this stuff is handled within the Disney area, within this Reedy Creek area, 
Disney pays the people that run it. Disney gets whatever they want because it's all a rubber stamp. It's all run by them. It's administered by them. And guess who gets a vote on any of that stuff and what Disney wants to do? Nobody, because it's run by the company. So, the, all right, the bottom line question, the two counties that are on each side of it that used to be this place, if there's a county tax on Coca-Cola, does Disney have to pay it? Uh, it depends on exactly how it's structured within the state law that enables it and and whether or not it's completely under county control. If there's no specific state uh, statewide thing, then the answer would be no. Okay, so they, so it, it, it's not, as I said earlier, I mean, you weren't on and neither was John Flanagan because uh, he knows about the stuff in Illinois. If you're unincorporated Cook County, you're still in Cook County, you're paying all the county stuff, you just don't happen to be in Oakland or Payless or Chicago. There's no municipality that owns you, for lack of a better term, right? But now, yeah. down there, they actually gave them the county rights as well. Mainly. That's right. They are a county for for legal purposes. Wow, that's 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 huge. <laughs> oh well, it's it, yeah. And the thing is, is that you know, I mean, when you think about how and 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 like I said, Florida has some very interesting things when it comes to business taxation. Um, in my opinion, they're not nearly as friendly uh, from a business perspective as a lot of people make them out to be. Uh, but, uh, you know, it is what it is, okay? It's like anything else. It's, you know, every every location has its pros and cons. But what has happened at this particular point is that Disney decided that they didn't like this, you know, this law that was being proposed in, in the legislature. But Disney doesn't get a vote. Corporations, you know, people, people, and, and the people on the right that are caterwauling about this stuff, it's, it's amusing to listen to them. Oh, the First Amendment. They're, they're going to file a First Amendment challenge. They're going to sue. Da, 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 da. Let them sue. Here's the reality. We have a nation which was established with the principle that human beings, by dint of being human, give you inalienable rights. And most people believe that those come from a thing called God. Now, whether you believe in God or not doesn't make any difference. The fact of the matter is, is that those, those rights vest in humanity because of the fact that you're human. They don't, they, you cannot give something to somebody or delegate something to somebody you don't first rightfully own. If I steal your car, it doesn't matter how much time goes on, I am not the rightful owner of your car. And it doesn't matter what I do and whether I launder the title through, you know, some hinky-dink deal in order to, if I sell it, I've now committed a second offense to go along with the first one. So the idea that corporations, corporations are, from a legal perspective, artificial persons, but they weren't created by anything other than the hand of man. So the idea that there is some grandiose Right that vests in a corporation is nonsense. They have a charter. They're chartered by a state, and and if your you know if your primary operation is somewhere else, you have to have a foreign registration or do business in a given state, whatever have you. This is this is just the idea of company towns. I mean, think about what Reedy Creek really is—the the grandiose version of the old company town. It's it's Pullman. 
it's, yeah, it's, it, it's, and you know what? Company towns, we got rid of them in the United States. And the reason we got rid of them is they're undemocratic, and they, they lead to a situation where somebody says, you can't own a bar because, oh, oh, by the way, the bar has to be owned by this place because we want to control how much people drink and how much gets charged for it. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a, uh, I mean, it, it, it is, by the way, you should send that what you just said to the Supreme Court. They seem to think that corporations are people. Well, they are artificial persons, but and, and that's fine as far as it goes. I mean, from the standpoint of law, they're artificial persons. Okay, that's that's how it works. I mean, you could sue a corporation. Oh, you can't sue something that's ephemeral. It's it, it exists. It's real, but you cannot rights. You cannot have a right without having the basis for where did the right come from. What is the what is the genesis of it? Rights vest as a result of in in the United States anyway as a result of humanity. A well, corporation doesn't have rights. A corporation has a delegated set of powers that were delegated to it by a, a in each of the states. When you file a charter, you file your articles of incorporation. You are essentially asking permission and paying a franchise tax for so the privilege of operating a corporation. And what you get in exchange for that is limited liability coverage along with, you know, along with some other collective rights. Well, guess what? In Tennessee, and, and here's an interesting thing, Tennessee did not allow me, I dissolved my LLC in Florida when I moved because I could not domesticate it here in the state of Tennessee. Tennessee doesn't allow that. You can't domesticate a foreign LLC. So I would have had to set up a new one if I wanted to continue to do contract work and stuff like that under, you know, under that name. And I don't. So I, I just flushed it and said that I wasn't really doing much with it. But it had been there for since I'd lived there. In Tennessee, if you set up an LLC, you have to declare whether or not you want the limited liability protection or not. If you don't, then it is legally the same as a DBA, doing business as, which anybody can file. It's just a, you know, it's just a filing with the local courthouse. And then there's no income tax and you know, yada, yada. But if you take the limited liability protection... You are now subject to Tennessee's corporate franchise tax, which is essentially an income tax. Really? Yeah. You still so, I mean, to... every state's different, okay? And this is, and, and the Tennessee is as a, now Florida does not have this particular thing, but there, there is a logic to it in that, you know, the way Tennessee sees it apparently is that the privilege of having limited liability comes with a cost. The cost is you get to pay taxes. Well, the, uh, the most people when years ago would say that if you wanted to go somewhere where, where you get less taxes, it was Wyoming. And I remember reading something where they took every state where an individual could go, and uh, Wyoming was one of the worst because they had the highest estate tax. You could go there, but if you died there, you were screwed. I mean, if you well, it's it, every, you know people you see all these things, you know, ten best places to do blah, right? They're all over every single so-called news site. It's paid content. It's garbage. Single time I see one of those and I read through it, I'm like, you left this out, you left this out. Who is paying these people to do this? The Chamber of Commerce in that particular state? Well, I, don't, I know somebody, Carl, who, uh, this is a weird story, but I think uh, who I'm talking about worked with this guy on the truck docks like 40 years ago. And the guy really liked him and he said, you know, you're one of the nicest people I ever talked to, blah, 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 blah. Well, the guy dies, I think, in Iowa. And, and this person gets 
a call from the estate saying the guy left you like twenty five grand. Well, and but I think Iowa grabbed five of it or more. Yeah, I don't. I don't think in Illinois they they grab anything out of an estate. Well, it's it, see or, uh, it's, under it's, a certain it's basically number. it's every state has its own complex system of taxation and regulatory environment. They're different everywhere. If if you think you know what it is, uh, you may know what it is where you currently live. Right? I mean, you know, I ran a company in Illinois for quite a long time, so I know what Cook County and and the state of Illinois what that environment looked like at that time. I don't know what it looks like now because it's been twenty years. Looks worse, right? but looks worse. Well, I'm sure it's a hundred times worse, right? Yeah. I mean, there were but there were plenty of things that made you scratch your head then. I'm sure now there's you know there's there's four hundred things that make you scratch your head. But then, you know, I, I moved to Florida, and I started toying with the idea of attempting to disrupt part of the scuba diving industry. And, I, and in, as a process of investigating this, I looked at the business environment and, and, you know, what it would take to do that and set up a company to do that kind of thing. And I said, screw this. I'm not doing it. It's, uh, you know, I mean, it, what, as soon as I, as soon as I buy a machine to make something... And have a, you know, and, and have a, a company vehicle to, you know, drive around and, and, you know, do demos for the, the various, you know, companies that sell, you know, the diving shops that sell stuff. As soon as I do that, I got, I got to pay a, a, a inventory tax on, on that stuff every single year. I got to file. I, I haven't sold a single product yet, but I got to, are you nuts? <laughs> that tax on stuff you don't sell it. I don't know where the logic of that is. Carl, we got to, we got to break here. SP Futures down 50 cents. Uh, NASDAQ's heading up, though. We're up almost 50. We're down. We came in. We're trying to turn this bus around after a, a massive turnaround that a negative yesterday. We'll talk a little bit more about that with Carol in Quebec. Be right back. Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. 
And I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single-family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. All right. Place your bets. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Right now. Hello, welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Allen. He's Matt Byrne on the board. SP Futures down 375. NASDAQ Futures up 28. We've been uh, hacking around here. We were down last night, down we came in, and now we're, we're a mixed bag with the... Uh, uh, just as a review of yesterday, I'll do that first. This was, we were, we were, you know, pretty much way up. Uh, I'm gonna say the S&Ps were up at least 45. They closed down, uh, 71. So I mean, it was a huge turnaround. Anyway, yesterday the Dow was down 368. S&Ps were down 65. NASDAQ down 278 after being up during the morning. And then, uh, Chairman Powell came out after he had five of his creatures, like the day or two before, talk about the, Dovish turn, he came out and said, oh yeah, half points on the table, so we went down the other way. I think these guys should stay home. I just, it would just be me. I'll get Carl's opinion on that in a second. Over in Europe, we got the DAX down 228, and these guys were up yesterday. It's 1.6, FTSE down 52.7, and Kakaran down 96, that's 1.4. But Kakaran's been the most volatile over there out of the three of them lately, which is very unusual. Uh, Asia, Nikkei down 447, they, they were, they had been bullish this week. It's 1.6%. Shanghai up 7, but they were down over 2% yesterday, as everybody remembers. Hang, well, anybody who watches the Chinese market remembers. Hang Seng down 43.2%. Bonds, uh, down 1 basis point to 2.90. It did touch 3% yesterday, following Powell's comments. Uh, Bund unchanged at 0.93. Japan, uh, 0.25. We've got oil, uh, down a buck 38, but still over 100, 102.41. Brent down 148, 106.85. Natural gas down a dime, 685. We got gold down another 1450, 1933. It was knocking on 2000 on Monday, and now it's just gotten pummeled back. Silver down 36, uh, 2455, same thing. That was over 26 on Monday morning. Uh, copper down 2 cents to 467. We've got crypto, Bitcoin down 823 to 40,000. 540. Matt, what do you got for us? Traffic weather sports. Yeah, it's 7.35 a.m. Earth Day, April 22. Uh, April 22nd, I should say, 2022. I'll touch you in sports real quick. Uh, in baseball, White Sox lose to Cleveland Guardians 3-6. to Cubs beaten by Pittsburgh Pirates 3-4. to And the Diamondbacks win against Washington Nationals 4-3. to In hockey, Blackhawks lose to L.A. Kings 1-4. to In NBA, uh, tonight the Bulls are against the Bucks here in Chicago. That's 7.30 Central Time. And the Suns are against the Pelicans, 8.30 Central Time. Now into weather. In Chicago, cloudy right now, 46 degrees, high of 62, and a low of 46. Uh, in Phoenix, mostly mostly clear skies, actually. Uh, a wind advisory, though. Severe winds with up to 45 mile per hour gusts. 
currently 70, 70 degrees there, high of 78, and a low of 57. Traffic in Chicago, traffic eastbound to Eisenhower between 17th and Independence, after Sacramento Boulevard, a slowdown to downtown. Traffic westbound to Eisenhower between Austin Boulevard and 1st Avenue. Traffic eastbound to Kennedy, starting at Cumberland, going to West Fullerton, and starting up again at North Racine all the way to downtown. Traffic westbound to Kennedy between Pulaski to West Bryn Mawr Avenue. Traffic westbound to Dan Ryan between 51st Street all the way to downtown. Traffic northbound in Stevenson between Illinois Route 171 and South Kedzie Avenue. Traffic on the Lakeshore between, uh, uh, well, traffic on northbound on the Lakeshore between the ramp at Stevenson all the way to Jack's East Jackson. That's all we got, Chief. Back to you. Um, Carl, sh- if you don't mind, I want to shift gears on you a little bit here. Uh, we had this whole thing going on in the last couple of weeks with, uh, uh, Tesla Musk and, uh, Twitter, and we've got, you know, all kinds of stuff along those ways, and we, we always kind of, uh, we zero on a topic, and I think, uh, if we have, if we have a, a weakness, the both of us, um, and Kevin, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about a, we open up a topic and we talk in, on it in much greater detail than anybody does anywhere else, it seems to me. That's, that's the positive of what we do. Maybe the negative is we, uh, we don't take it to where it's really sort of hurting people and, and where it's heading. Uh, and when I, when I say that, as Kevin and I talked about, the uh, and you alluded to it with the advantage of uh, Disney, the carbon stuff, uh, actually we talked about it as well, the carbon stuff that Tesla has, has been given, uh, and the guy, you know, they made money for the first time without that last July, and they've been a business guy for how long? And now right. even, even this particular quarter, they, I, I think I read 679 million of carbon credits. So they, they're selling to other people. Now, we could have done that in a way where if you and I buy a Tesla, they could send us a thousand bucks. You know, may, I'm not saying that's a brilliant idea either, but at least that makes some sense to me if you really want to do that. But having him get paid by other firms that are trying to do the same thing and actually compete with him, I can't. I honestly can't think of a dumber idea, uh, Carl. I mean, I suppose if I thought I, but what well, I, yeah. I mean, essentially, what it boils down to is that for every suburban GM sells, they have to send Tesla a check. Yeah. All right, and I mean, if you think about the, if if you think about that, that's just raw theft. Right. I mean, essentially, what what happens in those instances is that the government shoves a gun in your face and says, "Fork over the money to this other guy, not to us, but to this other guy." Well, and when, what I'm saying is, but now it reaches, and, and you, you can make an argument, of course people loved it when it was happening, I mean, I've made an argument forever, it gets me nowhere, that the, the, the you know, the bump who owns Amazon got there because uh, people didn't have to pay tax on his stuff, and it gave him an incredible advantage out of the gate. Now, since well, that was, by the way, that was, he's admitted through his actions that that was illegal, and he didn't care. Well, absolutely, you know, but, and, 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 well, it, it, it was never illegal for him to not collect the taxes. It was always illegal for you and me to not pay him. Well, actually, it was illegal for him to not collect the taxes. What, what, when In the 1990s, when I ran MCS, we opened up an operation, an, an office in the Milwaukee area, West Allis, actually. And and our, our so-called business location was actually a colo space that we were renting. And I got the brilliant idea that I could play the same sort of evasion game that uh, that Amazon played because I had a location in another state 
Okay, but it, but it wasn't really our business location. Our business location was in Illinois. I didn't have to pay. I didn't have to pay Wisconsin taxes. And and I all, all I do is I'd have that West Allis location run by. A, I'd set up a captive LLC and have it owned by MCSnet, and uh, uh, everything be fine. And the lawyers that looked at me and said, "Are you out of your blankety blanket? <laughs> You're going to go to jail, buddy." <laughs> well, yeah, but and, I think though, uh, Carl, that for if you and I own a camera store in North Dakota. And somebody buys an expensive camera for us, and we send it to Illinois. I think there's a Supreme Court decision that says neither we nor North Dakota has to collect those taxes. Well, so okay, so basically, here's the here's here's the bottom line on that is is the essence of the ownership. That's that you're talking about the Quill decision, which I'm very familiar with because Quill, of course, was based in Illinois, and and this was the this was the basis for people doing this sort of stuff. The problem is. You can't own the other organization. Right. Okay. Well, what Amazon did was exactly that through a convoluted structure of supposedly independent entities that were actually part of Amazon. And as soon as you do that, you have Nexus and you have to pay, you have to register. Well, I, I, yeah, that, I'm talking period. about, I'm talking about the, the, the base case when it, when the place first started. And, and but, uh, you know, and, and I'm going to say the only reason why that's never been collected is because if the state of Illinois ran up a list of the 100 people that bought the most over Amazon in the last decade, or the first decade, probably not the last, you probably did have to pay. The first decade, I'm sure half the politicians' wives are going to be on the list, right? So, I mean, but, but, but having said that, my point is, whatever we do, whether it's dumb or undumb, uh, undumb is not a word, but uh, now we, we there's a situation with Musk is the guy has $90 bazillion. And even though the company has never made any money really the whole way, except for money that we've given them from GM and Ford, which is right. But but now what happens is these guys, and I'll use the same. I use it too much. The the, the dude was born on third and thought he hit a triple, right? And, and he's he's no different than the Amazon guy. Wait a minute, Washington Post doesn't like me. I'll buy the friggin' Washington Post. Which when back in when you and I were kids, when there were four newspapers in Chicago every day, and there's a bazillion of them around the country. Maybe actually probably six in Chicago. If if the Tribune has a big problem with you getting a, a, a Carl plant in Peoria and is writing about it, I have an issue with Carl having so much money, but the only people that get all this money seem there's people that are rich, right? And, and I'm all for him. As a guy who traded on the trading floor, I never I never had a shed a tear when I had a really good day. I mean, I always thought it was a good day and I deserved it, right? So it was never, I, I, I'm not one of these socialist dudes, so don't, don't go come at me with that. But the uh, what I'm saying is these guys all seem to have one thing in common. They get their money either by some government largesse or government uh, lack of attention to detail. And all of a sudden, Musk has got more money than God. Well, I don't want. I don't want. If, if the Tribune doesn't like Jeff Bezos, I don't want him buying the Tribune. I mean, that's a news source, right? I mean, I don't, I don't know how you how we do that, but but to me, that's no. You don't get to buy the news. <laughs> I mean, well, think, all right. So you know, everybody, all all the people on the left are having a, a conniption about the idea that you know Musk is going to buy Twitter and then he's going to turn around and turn Trump's account back on. Well, yeah, I don't care about. It. I'm just talking in general. Now, well, I, yeah, but but this is this is the point you're making, okay? It's just that you know how many edges does this sword have, right? Plenty to cut everyone with. I guess I'm saying all power corrupts, and absolute power and money now is power. So when, when right, you, and, you know, and but what's but what's happening here is that we've taken what used to be 
a, a somewhat competitive landscape. And the whole reason that this kind of nonsense goes on is that we've ignored the fact that, you know, we, we, have, the, we have this Friedmanite concept within certain aspects of our economic and our legal and, and government policy perspective, our political policy perspective, that competition will solve all problems and and we just you know we just have to go with this so you know we were sold this garbage when nafta was passed that the the guy screwing together cars in mexico would end up making the same as the guy screwing together cars in america because he would insist on it and and natural economic forces would cause that to happen all right 20 years go by and it did not happen all right not to any material degree at all we had the same nonsense peddled about how it was going to happen with China and offshoring all of our production in China, offshoring our, you know, our, our sewing clothes to, do, to Vietnam and Bangladesh and that, and it hasn't happened anywhere, ever. Well, and so now, now what we have is, is, and by the way, why it doesn't happen is on display with people like Musk and people like Jeff Bezos. Because what do they do? As soon as they get the, they find some way to worm their way through the cracks. They they either bribe, blackmail, or threaten somebody. They say if you employ, if you make us pay the penalties, yes, our not collecting sales tax for six years in Illinois was against the law. We'll collect it going forward. But if you make us pay the six years worth of taxes, we're going to close the plant. And, and for some reason, we let we let the citizenry go. But if you go on the Illinois website. Not only do you have to declare every year everything you bought outside the state, if it's over a certain number, you got to declare it quarterly. The state never even mentions that. Does that mean Pritzker's wife is buying all her TVs out of state or what? Well, I mean, uh, you know, probably. But, I, I mean, the thing is, is that there's the, the premise behind this is a nice idea, except the whole reason we have 15 United States Code Chapter 1, the whole reason we have all these other, these other regulatory organs, is that 200 years ago, the same stuff that is going on today went on then, and we passed a series of laws to essentially destroy the concept of a corporate town, which is what 15 U.S.C. essentially does. makes it illegal. It's a felony. Yeah. Go, to ten, go to jail for 10 years if you try it for every single person you screw. What is it? What is and, what's the song, 1610? <laughs> well, but here's, but here's the thing, yeah. Chief. Okay, you, you tell me... I, I mean, I, you know, I, I have a proposal out there that I've that I originally started with more than ten years ago, and it's been refined a few times. It's it's essentially been in fixed form since 2017, I think, at this point, and it, it's it's to go after the medical system and the way that they abuse these laws and they ignore them. And it says, nope, you enforce it. Period. Everybody gets a price. That's the price for the procedure. Whatever the procedure is. And everybody pays the same price. Now, how you how you as a person contract with somebody else for insurance or whatever that's that's entirely separate from all this. Nobody gets privileged. There's no secret agreements. There's no special contracts. There's no non-disclosures. It's just like Walmart. You walk in there. I need my gallbladder out. Well, bang. This is how much money it costs. Fine. Then you have competition because now I can go look at it, and then you put the other provisions in there. So that when I'm having a heart attack and I can't shop it, you can't screw me, okay? The, the, the difference between a stent when I'm having a heart attack and a stent when I'm not having a heart attack is, is zero. I still have to have the stent done. It has to be done now, but it, I still have to, it's, it's the same procedure. It doesn't change. All right, so 
Why isn't any of this been done? Because it would it would completely ruin all those people who have grifted all of this stuff. Oh, sure. Within that industry, you might actually have the doctors making more money than administrators again. Perish well, you you know the idea, and, and oh by the way, that we didn't do this throughout these years after Obamacare was passed, everything else, which by the way just formalized more of this grifting, but that we didn't do this is why there's a million dead Americans with COVID. Because COVID provided an incentive for them to use a untested, unapproved drug, specifically remdesivir, which had failed multiple cl- clinical trials on, dan- on being dangerous, okay, including for Ebola, for crying out loud. And so this is not some new thing that we were going to try we had no knowledge of. Oh, no, no, no. But what does, what does the data now tell us in 2022? That in 2021... Remdesivir was the largest dollar value drug used in hospitals. It was it, there was more of it sold than the next three drugs combined. What that there's uh, what was the the drug bef- before that? My man has been dead. Thirteen four was it Avastin? That was another. Well, Avastin, well, yeah, and, and of course with AIDS it was AZT. Yeah, but Avastin. I uh, didn't do anything for anybody. It was two thousand bucks a week, and uh, they kept finding, trying to find a disease for it. A- AZT doesn't work. It never did. Right. Okay. And yet, and yet, that was at the time the most expensive prescription drug ever prescribed in the United States. Wow. Of course, it, now it's a piker compared to you know yeah. a lot of the new stuff that's out there. They've got the, well, they got this other one that was approved by the FDA for Alzheimer's that failed its clinical trials. And it was approved anyway. And it's like, what, it's like 100 grand a year, 50 grand a year or something? Yeah, it's like, it's like, it's like $52,000 or something like that, and it doesn't work. Why should it work for 52 grand, Carl? Come on. Well, you know, why should remdesivir work for $3,000 in infusion? Oh, by the way, that's the drug. Then the hospital gets to charge another three grand because it's got to be given to you in an IV. Um, hey, can we, let's, let's drop back a little bit, if you don't mind, because we, we, you started opening up the, the, the uh, can of worms of why don't the theories work? And and I right. and I know when I was in, in grad school, they would always be always get these things, especially in all these economic classes, not so much in the business school, but they would assume assume perfect competition, assume this, assume a cartel, and take yeah. this take this from from top to bottom. And I think what ends up happening, Carl, and this is a shot at my my former teachers, is, uh, and I, I keep chiding Hal Snar about it, that I don't want to ever turn it into that. If you're a tenured dude, time is a lot different than it is for you and me. If right. Uh, so I'll, I'll take the very the very simple. There's two hamburger stands in uh, in, uh, in in Carlville, right? And one guy decides to buy the other hamburger stand, and uh, with the with the, with the sole intention of like raising the prices. <laughs> okay. Uh, and now, of course, I don't care if if Matt buys the other hamburger stand. The only person who really shouldn't be able to buy that hamburger stand is the other hamburger stand owner, right? In my opinion, a horizontal combination. Well, if you're Milton Friedman, you're going to say. If they raise the prices too much, okay, you're going to end up somebody's going to somebody's going to be beamed down by Scotty, and say there's a hamburger opportunity in Carlville, and they're going to build right. a third place. Now, but my concern always is, and what I think these guys miss or forget about, that even if it takes two weeks for 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 Matt to be beamed down by Scotty and build a new hamburger stand, which is totally screwed up, the other guy gets to charge eight bucks instead of six. 
for two weeks. Okay, he, now, scr- he screws you for two weeks. And, but I'm saying, but then you add more of the stuff with the Tesla and with these other people. Now you now you put government in there, and the guy you show up and the guy wants to build the third stand. It's going to take him a year, and all of a sudden. Uh, he can't get a permit because the... the well, well I was going to say, it doesn't take a year. It takes an indefinite amount of time because the guy that has it there goes to the city council and says, right. oh, no, 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 you can't have the hamburger stand within 500 feet of a school. Right. And so all of a sudden, the, the, the cost of getting involved in this become... Incri- I mean, I mean, uh, I mean, you would think in a perfect world, if Trump didn't like Twitter, I mean, Trump, if uh, uh, Musk didn't like Twitter, he'd just start his own Twitter and, and compete with it. But that's not... It's not what you do when you got ninety bazillion dollars. I'll just. I'm saying the 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 what's the term? The, the stickiness of doing all this stuff. I don't really care if somebody if I have another hamburger stand five years from now and I get two bucks more a hamburger for five years. I'm going to retire. Screw this place. I don't even like hamburgers. You know. I mean the 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 way the time it takes for this to happen. Like how many years did it take Amazon to finally? I think if you order from Amazon now, most of the time you're paying tax. I, I think. I don't order from there, but I think yeah, you, yeah, you are. But the, but the point is, is that they destroyed all of these other companies, right? In the time that they didn't, and so then now, guess what? They are the company store. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like and, and, and so. Gee, like I really care if I'm Bezos. Boy, of course, you know Bezos officially is not. You know, it's not his anymore, right? But. I, uh, gee, after I did all this, do I really care that uh, you know? Oh, well, now we're gonna we're gonna collect your pay. No, because now the disadvantage is gone. You ruined all the other people who are competing against you. But I, I think what happens, Carl, and, I, and again, I'm just I'm just not like you and I are the savior to this stuff. Although we could probably help some legislators out understanding some of it. Uh, the the damage you do, like when you let people overseas for. 25 years paying 3% taxes when legitimate people are paying 25 or 30 or whatever the government taxes. All of a sudden, those people are now going to be able to outbid anybody legit and any other company, and they're going to reach a size that they will they will never look back at. From the they, they, they become bigger than the government, bigger than the world. They'll never look back. Given these advantages are so egregious in terms of that I don't think, how can the average person, me being one of them, even understand how much that meant to somebody? How how a company like, uh, what was the first one, Forest Labs, to go overseas, and I don't even, they got bought by somebody. But how it even, how much it even, I'm going to say Pfizer was is overseas, how much it even means to them to to be making $20 billion a year and having to pay tax of 3% instead of 20% or 25 and able to p- pick up other places. You never look back. I mean, Amazon's never going to look back unless they totally screw up I mean, this guy yeah, that's the, yeah, but the, you know, you're right, Chief, and and this is why, though, that I have, you know, for for the entire time I've been writing a market ticker and have been commenting on this stuff, and it goes all the way back to when I was running MCS because I saw pieces of it starting in the internet industry. Um, you have you have laws that are in place across industries that are not industry specific, you know, specifically the 15 United States Code, Chapter 1, which are supposed to, it's supposed to make this sort of stuff a felony. It's a crime. It's not a civil action. It's a crime. And the, yet, you take a look at I mean, if you, if you read that law, it says not only does this apply to anything that's done in interstate commerce, it has, it equally applies to international commerce. Which means that price fixing for drugs, where in the United States it costs twenty five thousand dollars, in India it costs fifteen 
$15 is illegal. It's a felony. Now, the, the, the Milton Friedmanites of the world would say this, this situation can't exist. Well, without, without the government sticking a gun in people's nose, it doesn't exist. Why? Because I get on an airplane with a big suitcase. I go over there to India. I buy a suitcase full of stuff for 15 bucks. Throw it, throw it back in the luggage, get back on a plane, come back here to the United States and sell it and destroy the people trying to charge 20 grand. But if I try to do that, I get arrested and go to jail. By the way, uh, as we're beating up on my, my, my poor dead uh, educator, one thing he would say, he would agree with you 100%. He'd say there, there, there's no such thing as a long-term monopoly without government keeping them that way. Well, that's right. So the, the problem is is that what these guys all do, and the, and the bottom line with all of it, is that you either, have, you either have a regulatory and government and prosecutorial organization that has deliberately decided they're not going to enforce the law against certain people. Right? And if you think, about, you think about how scary that can actually end up being, right? I mean, in the extreme, what that means is that somebody can kill you and not go to jail for it. Well, I mean, right? but it means your utilities... Over a long period, do they still have to be monopolies? I don't think so. Well, I don't, I don't know, but I mean, you know, but the thing is, if you do not enforce the law evenly across this, what you end up with is an ever greater grab of what are supposed to be fundamental rights that are vested in humans, not in, not in corporations, but in people. They get abused. The law is there to stop this. We pass these laws through a supposedly democratic process in order to prevent that kind of thing from happening. We do it from experience. The, the entirety... Sherman Clayton Robinson Patman exist because corporations abused this, created company towns, and essentially price-fixed and screwed people for decades. Oh, yeah. And Congress got together and said, that is inappropriate. We, this, is, this is the degenerate part of capitalism, and we're going to stop it. So they go ahead and they pass this law, which is done through a perfectly legitimate governmental process through our representatives, and this is, this is why we vote for people and put them in office, right? And then... We have these guys that get powerful enough that they turn around and they ex- they essentially exempt themselves from the very law that applies to you and I. So if I was to sit down when I, when I was running MCS, there were there were a hundred competitors in my marketplace within a couple of years of starting the joint, but there were a handful, about a half dozen of us that we we were just the largest. We were better, faster, and cheaper than the other guys, and so we we beat the pants out of all little dudes and the little dudes they had their niche and in those places they they were doing great but we had we had scale and additionally we each of us had figured out something in some niche of the business that made us better than the other people and so we had a, a very significant part of the overall share if i sat down with two of them across drinks and talked about pricing i would have gone to prison for 20 years well our guys from the, sometimes i bash some of the people at the SIBO, but the guys who were in charge then, Duke Chapman and, and uh, Chuck Henry, I, I really like Chuck. Duke was a good guy too. But they, they were, they were, they were good. The, the chance of of Chuck Henry or Duke Chapman calling calling the head of the Amex talking about fixing prices, he, he would never do that. He would, they wouldn't think well, of doing it. Well, yeah, because first off, he knows it's illegal. Yeah. And, and and secondly, he's he's reasonably concerned that you know there'll be a pair of handcuffs in his future if he does it. Yeah, but he also thought knew it wasn't right. It was right, but I'm, yeah. but I'm saying that's but today that is the business model. That's all. Young people think. What are you talking about? What's wrong? What's wrong with that? 
Well, what's wrong with that? You get screwed. I know. I understand. <laughs> Carl, have, have a nice weekend, buddy. SP Features down 11. SP Features down 5. Uh, we'll talk stuff next week. Might have you on earlier in the week as usual. Or not as usual, but until Jeff gets back, I'll let you know. Uh, back on Monday, Stocks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.